Welcome to Ag Over Easy, the podcast for channel where you get breakfast with a side of agronomic insight. I'm Janice Person, and today Nick Gazer is joining us to hash out this year's harvest results. Nick is CEO of the Agronomy, Crops, and Soil Science Societies, so he knows a lot of different factors of farming. Just like breakfast hash, a lot of different things go into the final result of harvest. So let's take a scientific look at this fall with someone who knows the science behind the results. How are you doing, Nick? Doing great, doing great. I really appreciate being here. I've got to say, when I looked at your LinkedIn, it is such a diverse set of jobs and experiences, but they've all had kind of this farming connection. Can you tell me how you got your start in ag? Yeah, it's it's been uh, definitely a great experience jumping within the different positions. Uh, my start in ag started with my family. Uh, my, my family has a dairy farm up in southeastern Wisconsin, and I can't remember anything different. Uh, so it's been starting there and then jumping into school, uh, working through the different uh, different degrees and and ultimately getting the, the doctorate in um, it's really in, in horticulture and potatoes, sweet corn and snap beans. So jumped from dairy to vegetables, worked on a commercial potato farm for a couple of years, then transitioned to work for Monsanto as a technology development representative for a couple of years, then the National Corn Growers Association, the Soil Health Partnership. Um, it's, it's all been connected and it's been great. What are some of the early skills or experiences that you find yourself tapping into again and again? I, I oftentimes connect back to my doctorate work. Um, looking at at the soil uh, so it's mostly so- soil science work and a big part of it is is uh, centered on a question that's on a lot of um, farmers even outside of the vegetable world in the corn soybean world as well around cover crops um, oh, how, yeah. how much <laughs> how much nitrogen can I get out of my cover crop in the in the following spring what is it going to do for reducing erosion um, I was looking specifically at nitrogen mineralization rates coming from cover crops. So that nitrogen release from from the crop from the cover crop into the main crop in the following season. What what can you count on? What can't you count on? Right. Uh, so so I tie into a lot of those questions and the economics as well. Is this going to pay off? Should we be making this business decision? Is this a good risk to take on as a farmer? How do you think this year's harvest is looking? Overall, looking at the the data, and then uh, I'm a I'm a sucker for following Twitter and, and the feeds <laughs> from all, all all the farmers I've worked with. Um, it's it's variable. Um, I think we're seeing a lot of the impacts of of the droughts, uh, the, the different droughty areas, and, and certainly uh, the derecho event that we had throughout Iowa, um, impacting about a, just under a million acres. Um, variable, but uh, I think. You know, in terms of progress, we're, we're actually doing all right. It, it looks like we're about 60, 70% of the way through harvest. So it's it's good to see a year when farmers are able, able to actually make progress in the field. And it's something we think about this time of year for planning for the future. How do we reduce that variability and do even better into, into 2021? Yeah, knowing that you work with sort of experts around the country, right? I assume you get a picture of harvest that's a little bit different. What are you looking at as it comes to the future for harvest? Yeah, yeah, so our, our members, uh, as you mentioned, um, across the American Society of Agronomy, the Crop Science Society of America, and the Soil Science Society of America 
our, our members are typically the university professors that you're looking to for the, um, I, I guess, the upstream research results as to what's going to be coming down the line in the, in the near future. Um, some of the extension work, a lot of the extension work is, is uh, across our membership base as well. Uh, but what we're looking at is uh, technology to help um, help assess crop progress. Uh, so throughout the year, looking uh, there's been a, a large focus on precision agriculture, using um, and, and not only from the imagery perspective but the processing perspective. Uh, we're seeing big big companies jump into the space and and heavy investments uh, to give farmers better tools to assess their crop, but also to make those really important marketing decisions for this year's crop and extending out uh, into the into next year as well so um i, I kind of went techie there on, on my response no, but uh, <laughs> but but we do cover a, a wide variety everything from uh from genetic advancements location trials uh soil science research uh you know environmental quality research as well um and we've been hearing a lot about ecosystem service markets and things like that that's definitely popping up in a lot of the discussions and what we're really trying to do is be better get better at translating these uh, peer-reviewed scientific publications that that our members typically publish uh, translate those to make them actually usable to farmers so with with the, all those different technologies and things how are some ways that farmers might better connect with your members to be able to access that kind of information and technology? Yeah, that's a great, great question, Janice. And um, the first place I would direct farmers to would be to look at our, our certification program for the Certified Crop Advisor program. And within that, we ha we also have educational webinars. And um, this, this would be a, a great place to start. And um, just going to the website agronomy.org is is a great place to to get access to those webinars and and within those we have a, a library of, of uh, over 600 titles um, that draw wow. upon global experts in all things agronomy um, to, to everything from research to application in the field um, that's all searchable and then um, extending beyond that we we have um, actually our, our annual meeting for the societies coming up um, in about three weeks but it is virtual this year so it gives uh, it gives opportunities for connectivity without travel that we that we haven't had in the past and and i know i've been one in the past that i, I haven't been able to attend our own annual meeting in the past because <laughs> i've been harvesting this opens doors for that uh, to be able to come in and network with the scientists um, and, and there'll be ways to network and engage and, and connect on a state-by-state -state basis so you can get the best local results uh, because we know those local results are, are, are critically important. Are there some things that you would like to suggest people think about as they're as they're going through harvest right now right so one of the things that happens a lot is when you're in your combine you're looking at what different hybrids or varieties are working well are there other things that farmers ought to be thinking about yeah i, I see our farmers as uh, it's interesting we were talking about scientists um and i don't think many farmers think about think of themselves as scientists uh, from the conversations I've had and the experiences I've had with them, but our farmers are—they are scientists. They're—I I don't know of many farms that don't do trials <laughs> every single year, whether it's just splitting a field, doing things that way. So, 
Um, so that's where my mind tends, and, and it's thinking about the trials that we can set up uh, to to think about next year and 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 improve, and constantly improve in agricultural production, enhancing that. I guess my thought, my recommendation would be to work with with your local experts on on setting up the trials for next year. Um, and, and there are many ways to do it. It doesn't have to be a uh, a replicated split plot design with you know <laughs> eight replications or anything like that. I, I think. Lots of lots of benefit can be gained from even splitting a field um, or setting up working with your, your local seed company to set up a hybrid trial in your field. Um, just just getting engaged, uh, and that's that's where I've had some just wonderful conversations with some of the leading farmers. Has been on on those kind of trials that I've helped set up uh, with the farmers on on areas that they've been interested in. And then going through the results in November, December, so they could make decision, better decisions into January, February, March of the next year going forward. Yeah, it sounds like a real process of looking at your full season, but you can't do that until you have your harvest results in hand, right? That's exactly right. You're, you're right on, Janice. <laughs> Knowing this year was a little bit different for some people, we have some areas that had drought pretty bad in the eastern side of the Midwest, right, in Indiana and some places. And we've had early snow in the northern Midwest. We had a derecho in the heart of the Midwest. Are there some things that you could suggest this season may have an application to soil health that's a little bit different? Yeah, the buffering buffering or... Um... Or, or resilience capacity of, of your, your system. Um, and, and so, I mean, looking at, looking at the soil, understanding your soil, many of our farmers do soil testing to look at the chemical components of the soil. So your fertilizer components of the soil, that's a really good start. Um, but what often I, I look at is, is going beyond the fertilizer recommendation, just the, the fertilizer component, um, going beyond nitrogen, potassium, and phosphorus to look at how how resistant is your soil to erosion? So looking at that aggregate stability or the the ability for the soil to bind to itself, that can give you an, an indication as to um, how how well that soil is going to stand in place stay in place if you get crazy winds coming through or really really intense rainfalls coming in. Um, similarly, uh, testing for water holding capacity of your soil. And in uh, compaction of your soil, many of our farmers do, do do compaction tests. That can also help us understand, especially during the rain events, or if you get a snow that's that could thaw and would potentially run off or infiltrate into the soil, where just where you stand, and do you have opportunities to improve that? Um, and then it can open up the conversation as to how you would improve it. If you want to improve aggregate stability, it's it's not something that happens overnight or in a year. But there are whether it's looking at uh, different tillage practices, combinations of, of different cover crop species, or, or or different practices that way, there are there are things farmers can do to impact that long-term resilience going forward. And that's that's usually what I'm thinking about when I I look at those those snowfalls coming in, or I look at the the wind events or the drought. Um, how to how to improve those aspects of the soil because that's that's really um, the best able farmers are to control the outcomes of the field is, is through, through the soil first and then the management decision second. From a scientific or sociological perspective, what can farmers do to set themselves up for a successful harvest in the future? I, w- I would first say um, we need to do some precision data collection. Get, get the yield monitors, 
get the aerial imagery in place. Uh, you, if you don't have, if you're not measuring it, if you're not collecting the data, it's really hard to make those informed decisions. So first, let's start there. <laughs> get that, get that stuff rolling. I know that's not cheap, and the ag economy is tough. Um, but the, but the, that type of equipment pays for itself, and and um, and that also connects to logistics, uh, being able to, to monitor where the combines are and, and how efficient they are in production. Um, so that, that would be the first piece, data collection. The, the second piece would be around, um, just around communications. And, and I mentioned this earlier in connecting to, the, or, or building bridges between the urban and, and the rural uh, communities. And, and, and that communications, it, it doesn't have to be t that difficult. It could be, um, some some tweets on Twitter. It could be reaching out to your local school and and volunteering to to talk about what farming, what modern farming is, in in uh, in say the chemistry uh, classroom or the the biology classroom or even the physics classroom because all of these topics are central to agriculture. But typically, we, we don't find those kind of connections when when we're we're learning about chemistry or physics or or biology in, in the classroom. Uh, things like that could go a long, long ways. So, knowing that the societies go back as far as 1907 with historical data, how are you guys using that in today's crops and using it to gain insight? Yeah, it's really, really cool to, to be working for an organization that has this wealth of information. Um, what we're doing right now is in, in investing our time and effort and resources into mining that the mining those data, um, going back into the publications and, and looking at everything. We're, we're able to track scientific data through the Dust Bowl, through World War One, World War Two, the 80s, the 90s. I mean, you could see all of that through our publications, all the different tillage yeah. advancements, uh, hybrids. Uh, so we're going back to, to mine that, to look at, um, uh, just to be able to make that more usable and look at the association. What do you think this year's harvest is going to add to that body of history? It's, it's definitely a challenging one. Um, but like uh, looking at, say, you, you mentioned the derecho earlier. Uh, look at the standability of corn and the resilience in the soil uh, from a re root architecture piece. And, uh, what, and just asking, with those crazy winds, which crops were able to, <laughs> to remain standing? And using that as an education tool um, in any kind of disaster, they're all like it's it's terrible, but they're always learning opportunities to do better in the future. So that this year, I'm going to be looking at the harvest and saying, from the droughts, from the derechos, from the 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 snows that have come in. What can we learn to do better uh, about and look at roots, look at uh, stocks, look at um, crop overall crop health, look at soil health, and and use that to make better recommendations. I love it. I have so much uh, appreciation for the insight you offer across the geography of the Midwest and in the country in general. Thanks so much, Nick. Janice, it's been a pleasure. Thank you again for for having me join. Nick says when it comes to soil, go beyond nitrogen, potassium, and phosphorus levels. Look at its resistance to erosion and aggregate stability to see how well it can stand up to heavy wind or rainfall. Also work with local experts to set up trials. Split a field and test out different products. Then learn from the results. Finally, a tech focus takeaway. Nick told us that artificial intelligence is becoming a useful tool in helping farmers assess their crop and make important marketing decisions. 
That does it for this episode of Ag Over Easy, the channel podcast where you get breakfast served with a side of agronomic insight. Be sure to subscribe to Ag Over Easy wherever you listen to podcasts or at agovereasy.com. 